We are continuing our series titled, Who Am I? with an episode that I'm calling, You Can Know God. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. You are someone who can know God. And you might say, "Mm, I don't know about that, Amber. I uh, have done some pretty shady things in my life, or, you know, I just don't understand things the way you do. To that, I would say nonsense. God is not prejudiced against anybody. He will reveal himself to anybody. And I'm going to prove it to you by some passages and a couple of accounts in the Bible But before I do that, before we really delve deeply into this topic, I just want to say this would be an episode that you might want to grab a notebook, a pen, a piece of paper. Uh, It may even be an episode that you want to go on the Time of Grace app and listen to or go on YouTube and listen to so that you can pause it and start over again or go back and listen only because I'm going to give you a lot of resources throughout this episode on ways that you can know God better. And I want you to be prepared. So how do I know that God will reveal himself to you that you, you specifically can know God better? Here we go. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't say, Come to me, those of you who have money, who have means, those of you who have a pretty good IQ, those of you of a certain race, certain gender, certain whatever, all who are weary from life on this earth, burdened, carrying a load from their sin, or just from life in a sinful world, come to me. Jesus said all. In John 3.16, we're told God so loved the world, the world, all-encompassing, not sections of the world, not certain areas of the world. God so loved the world. Jeremiah 29.13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We're told in the book of Hebrews that when we come to God, we must believe that he exists and we must earnestly seek him. So we need to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, which means, look, if you don't believe God exists, you won't be trying to find out about him. And if you don't think you really need God, you're not going to be pursuing him and asking him to show himself to you. But if that's not you, If you do believe that God exists, and if you do want to know him more, God is available. And he is so happy to reveal himself to you. Now, how do I know? How do I know that it's not just for people who have lived pretty good lives and whose parents or grandparents or great-grandparents have carried on the flame of Christianity? How do I know that it's not just for those people? Well, I'm going to tell you two accounts in the Bible that show me that God listens and hears no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. 
And these are only two of the accounts in the Bible. I could have talked to you about the Apostle Paul. I could have talked to you about Samson, and I'm not going to go there. I'm going to talk to you about Ahab and Jezebel. They were the king and queen in the northern part of the land of Israel, which that part was referred to as Israel. The southern part was called Judah. And they were wicked, terribly wicked. They brought Baal worship with them into into Israel, and they had done all kinds of crazy things. And just to let you know how horribly wicked they are, I'm going to tell you about the account of Naboth's vineyard. So if you didn't know about it, here's the rundown. If you do know about it already, I hope that I do this justice. And if you want to go and read it yourself, it's in 1 Kings chapter 21. And that's where we're introduced to Naboth. Ahab sees Naboth's vineyard and he really wants it for himself because it's near his palace and he wants it for a summer garden. So he went to Naboth and said, hey, sell me your land or I'll trade you. I'll give you land somewhere else and you can have your vineyard there. And Naboth said, "Mm, not going to happen. The land had been in his family for years. And in fact, when God gave the Israelites the land of Canaan, God determined that certain tribes would have certain areas, and and those tribes were to keep the land in their family. So this was sort of mandated by God. So it wasn't Naboth just saying, well, this has always been in my family. I don't think so. He was saying, you know, God, God gave me this land, and this is the land of my family, and I need to stay here. And so he said no. So Ahab didn't take it too well. He went home pouting and went to bed, wasn't going to eat. Jezebel came in and said, what's going on? Why are you pouting? What's what's wrong? And he said, well, I wanted to buy Naboth's vineyard or I even offered to trade him, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. That's a little half lie. I mean, he's right. He wouldn't do it, but he didn't tell Jezebel the reason that Naboth wouldn't give him his land. So Jezebel said, get up. Quit acting like a child, you know, I'm going to get this land for you. So she got the men of the town together to plan an event. And while they were there, Naboth included, she had two bad men, we're told, came to sit on either side of him and then accused him of cursing God and cursing the king, which were punishable by death. And so they took Naboth out and stoned him. And after they did so, then Ahab claimed his land for himself. And he was feeling pretty good about it until Elijah showed up and said, you know, God sees exactly what you were doing. It is evil. It is wrong. He's not okay with it. In fact, here's how God is going to punish your family. And he laid out what would happen. Well, Elijah went home and afterwards we read this very interesting verse. It is 1 Kings 21 verse 29, which said, then the Lord, word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Abel, Ahab, has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day. Well, what had Ahab done? He tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth, he fasted, he went around meekly, we're told, after Elijah told him that this punishment would come on his family for what he did. He believed God. When God said, because you have done this wickedness and have brought all this wickedness into Israel, this is what will happen to your family. 
And Ahab believed it. And he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth. He was fasting. He was repenting. Now, we do not read that he gave up Baal worship. We do not read that his heart totally turned to the Lord. But we, we do know that he took God's word seriously and that God saw that. And God said, because of that, I'm not going to bring the disaster. While he's still alive, it will come upon his children and his wife after he's already dead. So Ahab, super wicked man, God talked to him. And when Ahab actually believed that God had spoken to him, God noticed and relented in terms of that Ahab would not see the disaster that God was preparing for Ahab's family. Okay, I'm going to tell you about Manasseh now. In 2 Chronicles 33, we read the account of Manasseh. It's actually super sad because Manasseh had a phenomenal father, Hezekiah, who had done many, many great things, had walked with the Lord. And when Hezekiah died, his son Manasseh took over at the age of 12, by the way. And man, he did so much evil. He brought, he, he erected the altars where his dad had cut them down and he burned his, his children. He sacrificed them to another God. He had sorcerers and mediums and fortune telling, and he did all kinds of evil in God's eyes. So God allowed the king of Assyria to come and take him away. And while he was there in this prison in Assyria, we're told that Manasseh turned to the Lord. And this is what we read. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. What's an entreaty? Earnest, humble request. God listened to it. So here is a man who had done so much evil, had led a nation astray after his father had done so much to lead the people back to God. He had done so much to lead the people astray. And yet when he was in distress and he called out to God, God listened to him, he answered his prayer, and then he allowed him to go back to his kingdom so that he could undo some of the things that he had he had done before. Crazy. So if you don't think that God will meet you where you're at, you just remember these people in the Bible. And like I said, the apostle Paul, who was murdering Christians, who was persecuting Christians, and God met him, worked with him, revealed himself to him, taught him, and then sent him out. So I'm going to give you some tools that you can use to know God better. So first of all, I don't know if you have a study Bible. I have a study Bible. And uh, I have the Concordia self-study Bible, which I use often. I was going to say every day, but that's not true because I don't always read from this Bible every day. But it has verses and then underneath the verses, it shows, it has notes on what these things mean. So in fact, there's never more than half a page of the biblical text because there's always about a half a page of notes. 
that help you to understand what you're reading. So that when you read a verse and you're like, I don't even know what to think about this. It's right there. There are notes. There's also notes that before each chapter, uh, before each book of the Bible that talks about who the author is and what time in history it was and what the author's perspective was or what they were doing has maps. It has so many great tools and concordance at the end of the Bible. And the concordance is the place that you go. If you know that you want to uh, find a Bible passage about peace, you go to the concordance and you find all the Bible passages that have peace in them or maybe peaceful or anything related to peace. So you can use that as a tool to find the passages that you want to find. Um, there's another kind of Bible that I use sometimes too. And I, in all honesty, I've only read through this from front to back once. And that's the chronological Bible. And a friend of mine gave it to me and I read through it front to back so that I could get the gist of which order things were actually written. So the chronological Bible, instead of just going Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it, it puts the Bible in the order that it was written so that you can, they're not in the normal order of what we read them in our, our usual Bible, but it's, um, it's a very unique way to read the Bible and sort of see how things fit chronologically into place. So that's super helpful. Then I want to tell you about a free tool that I have loved. It's from the CLC, which is the Church of the Lutheran Confession. And it's a website. It's called God's Hand in Our Lives. And if you go to that website, you can, you'll see that there's Old Testament and New Testament. You can click on Learn More, either underneath Old Testament or underneath New Testament, and it will bring up all the Old Testament lessons and all the New Testament lessons that they provide. And, and when you go click on those lessons, so it could be creation or it could be the crucifixion, depending on if you're in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, there are teacher's notes. And those teacher notes are so good at identifying things that could be stumbling blocks in the lesson. So they'll give you context. They'll give you background Bible history. They'll give you defini definitions of words that might not, otherwise you might not know right off hand. And then there's also a curriculum. I use this when I taught Sunday school, but there's a curriculum to teach different age children and activities and that type of thing. But they use Rupric's Bible history. They also use Warner Franzman's commentary in those lessons in order to make sure that you know everything you know to teach these lessons. So it's a really great uh, tool that you can use to really understand lessons of the Bible. And it's free. As long as you have internet, you can go on those, you can read them if you don't want to print them out, or you could print them out. There are, you know, we'd use two years worth of Old Testament lessons and two years worth of New Testament lessons. So there's quite a few lessons that you can use and really learn your Bible well using that free tool from the internet. Okay, my favorite 
thing to use as commentary is the People's Bible series. And right now I'm actually just in my own personal Bible study in the morning, I'm going through 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus. And so I read right out of these books. So it might have two or three verses followed by two or three or four pages of commentary explaining what these verses mean. They also um, point you to other places in the Bible that talk about the same it, the same topic or relevant topics. And so this commentary can have you going all over the Bible and can give you a really well-rounded view of what's going on in the Bible. I've used these for years. Ever since really I started teaching, I've been using these as background to get information before I start teaching. So whether I was teaching Sunday school or a women's Bible study or Bible history, I would always read the account in the People's Bible series so that I knew what I was talking about. These books are available from Northwestern Publishing House. So I think you can get one book at a time for $30, $35, $40. I think the last time that I looked, the entire set was right around $700. I want to say maybe $650. And that is, um, you know, covering the whole Bible. So that's available at Northwestern Publishing House. The um, I'm just going to quickly describe how I love to do my own Bible study because it really helps me to know God and, and also to just bring my heart before God in a way that I didn't before. And this was new to me in 2020. I've told you this before. If you've been listening to me, I keep a prayer journal. And what I do is I buy a somewhat nice looking notebook. You, you don't have to buy a nice looking notebook, but I like to come to my notebook every day. I have several of these now. And so I like to get one that I, I sort of like to look at. And as I read, I just make notes. So I make notes from the text about things that stick out to me. I make notes from the, the commentary that I'm reading, but then I start praying. What is this passage in the Bible, what does this section in the Bible lead me to pray? Sometimes it's repentance that I haven't been doing what it says to do. Sometimes it leads me to give thanks. Sometimes I'm praying, God, help me. Help me to really do this. I want to live this way. I want to be this kind of teacher. I, I want to be this light in this generation. Um, but I cannot tell you how much deeper my walk with God went when I started prayer journaling, instead of just reading a couple verses from the Bible and then closing my Bible and going on. I also want to tell you about a couple more commentaries and then about two books that also really helped me in my growth. So this book is called Explore the Book by Jay Sidlow Baxter. I really loved this when I did the Esther series. I found some phenomenal details in this book. I love uh, the Bible history com commentary by Werner Franzman. This is super easy to find. You can find it on Amazon. I bought my copy there. I want to say they weren't very expensive. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that was because it was a while ago. But even as today, I was, uh, I was pulling this out to grab this. I just opened it up to one of the 
accounts that I've been reading lately in some other Old Testament study that I've done. And I ended up underlining and starring it like that. That's phenomenal. I hadn't heard that before. He also uses Luther quite a bit. So he goes back to a lot of Luther's writings and he'll quote that as does Paul Kretzmann. I love this commentary. I have used this so much and I tend to not actually write in this book. I don't know why, but he, um, I, I write my, my notes on a notebook, my notebook that I use for my prayer journal, but I have the new Testament volume one and two for Kretzmann. I also have um, a book from Josephus, and I didn't bring that today in here to show you, but Josephus is the Jewish historian who wrote a lot about what was going on right at the time it was going on, first century, I think. And so uh, I use him sometimes. And then there's this, the Gospels, Synopsis, Harmony, Explanatory Notes, so it's just dealing with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I always get this guy's name wrong. And I've been told it multiple times. I've asked several pastors, how do you say this? And they tell me, and then I forget. But I'm going to say it's Yovisikar. It starts with a Y and then an L. So, and then V-I-S-A-K-E-R. So I'm going to go with Yovisikar. Phenomenal book. Lots of notes. And it um, compares like when Jesus has a parable in Matthew, Mark, Luke, it'll bring them together and talk to you about that. So it's it's really a good, helpful tool. Okay, so very quickly, two of the books that really helped me jumpstart my deeper dive into reading the Bible. So for years and years and years and years, I had read the Bible front to back and then when I got to the end of Revelation, I went back to Genesis and read it again, which is a phenomenal thing to do. It helps you have a great overview of scripture. It's just, and, and I was reading the commentary, the people's Bible commentaries as I was teaching during that time. So I was learning background, but a friend of mine gave me both of these books. She's actually the one who gave me several of these commentaries too. She's with the Lord now, but she took it upon herself to really um, nudge me to go deeper with my spiritual growth. And the first person she gave me was CFW Walther in his book, God Granted. And maybe you've heard of Law and Gospel by CFW Walther. That is a phenomenal book. And I did read it, but not till much, much later because it's very heavy. It's very, very dense and I did get through it. I think it was in either 2020 or 2021. I, I took like 45 pages of notes. But God Granted is much, much easier. It's CFW Walther's writing. So it's still deep, but it's a lot easier to read. And it's uh, kind of bite-sized. So instead of reading you know, these big lectures that he had, which is what Law and Gospel was, um, these are kind of bite-sized devotions, so they're easy to take in. And this is what really started me on a path to wanting to learn more. So this kind of opened up my mind to like, hey, there's a whole lot to these accounts, and I should really look into this deeper. And then the other is a book 
from Charles Spurgeon. Um, it's called Mornings and Evenings with Spurgeon. And these two are simple little devotions. So there's a morning devotion and an evening devotion. I'm showing you this because it's a brand new book. My book that I've used, my husband and I have gone through it multiple times. There's a devotion for every day. And my book, the cover is like torn and pages are <laughs> flopping around because we have used it so, so much. This too, Steve and I both agree, this just took us to a whole different level. Spurgeon's writing was, um, in many ways, there were several days that we were like, what? I'm not sure I understood that whole devotion. But as we kept reading, it really did open our mind and we we got into his writing a little bit more and both of us feel that it really took us deeper. It's not just your normal devotion that's sort of like an appetizer. This is more like meat and really making you think. And at the same time, it really pushes you to want more, did us anyway, and it also encourages us. So that's another thing that we use that was phenomenal. And all of that is to say, whether you choose to just get one book or um, the People's Bible series is very often in most, in a lot of Lutheran churches, and a lot of our Lutheran churches have a library, and you might be able to check out either the People's Bible series or there's other um, Concordia Publishing House has other commentaries, you may be able to check those out from your library one at a time instead of buying them if you wanted to. But I can't encourage you enough. Go deeper. Just get one book. And then also, if you are so led, possibly get into a Bible study where you use these tools. So if you don't want to necessarily start your own Bible study, although I would say as you do these things, like get into the commentaries and read these, man, you are being prepared to lead a Bible study in your home with maybe two or three or four friends, or maybe your family. But I would say get into a Bible study so you can discuss these things with other people so they can tell you what they're learning so you can share what you're learning. And that's where, man, you're, you can see things in a whole new way that you haven't noticed before. So... Whether you do it alone or you do it in a Bible study, whether you use one book or you invest in multiple books, it, it doesn't matter. Just know that God is available. He loves when you come to him with a sincere heart. When you are searching for him and want to know him, he wants to be known by you. And yes, I mean you. <laughs> not just for Amber L.B. Swenson. It's not just for Pastor Mike Novotny. It's not just for pastors and it's not just for Bible teachers. It's for everybody. God is available to all of us. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.